0: Well, hello and welcome, everyone. You have tuned in to episode number 531 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And you have caught us on our deep dive episodes. so we thank you for being here. We really appreciate you tuning in and listening. And uh, before we get to our topic for this evening, we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'm Russ, K5TUX. Cheryl, W5MOO, is... Is not here, but we do have... Bill annie E4RD. Good evening. All right. So uh, so two of us are here. And Yay! <laughs> Cheryl, Cheryl doesn't really like doing the deep dives anyway because, you know, she basically doesn't really have that much to do. Other than tell you all about our new subscribers and stuff. But, okay. I might have to, to pause here while the, the dogs are... <laughs> I <laughs> don't, don't think you can hear them, but they are uh, definitely running roughshod over my nerves right now. Uh, all right, let's see if they settle down. Okay, I think they settle down. So Anyway, so uh, we were digging around for a topic tonight, and uh, in between all the other stuff going on, I didn't really come up with one. Bill threw one out, and I was like, oh, well, that sounds like something that might be interesting to, to talk about, And I and I actually started exploring it um because he thinks i'm some sort of a a luddite or something what's what's the deal why why are you annoyed that i I don't use our topic for tonight which by the way is tail scale
2: why am i annoyed well because it's so easy (laughs) well it is
0: easy but you know don't you have to have a use case for things i mean do you do you just use stuff to use things
2: uh, you know, I, I originally got into Tailscale because, well, I heard it was the bee's knees and I'm, I was the same way. I was like, oh, I don't really have a use case for this. You know, I, I'm pretty much either at home or at my office and I have all my devices. I know how to connect to them all. I used to have the open VPN server here at the house. And, uh, as soon as I started connecting the first few devices on Tailscale, I was like, uh, Oh, this is why. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's uh let's just briefly go over some of the, the verbiage I threw in the show notes just about tail scale for those of you that have never heard of it, um which hopefully that isn't many, but I'm sure there are some that have not heard of it. I, I had our our good friend Bard do the uh notes for this, so I'm sure this is will sound AI-ish <laughs> to some scale. <laughs> I didn't feel like cutting and pasting off the website, so I was uber lazy just popping this in here. But anyway, this is what uh, Google Bard thought about uh, the good old TailScale. Uh, it says, a secure and private VPN service. So I asked it, "What what is TailScale? Uh, secure and private VPN service. This is the core function uh, TailScale creates a private network uh, called the TailNet uh, between your devices. That's laptops, phones, servers. Etc. Anything you want to plug into it. Uh, that encrypts all communication, keeping your data secure even while you're on public Wi-Fi. Why public Wi-Fi always get such a bad rap? Jeez, <laughs> it's that's a
0: peer-to-peer reason because I think that's like why why there is a dark web. Yes, yes, for sure.
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a peer-to-peer mesh network. Unlike traditional VPNs that route traffic through central servers, Tailscale devices connect directly to each other, often resulting in faster and more reliable connections. It's like building your own private internet for your devices. Uh, it's easy to use and configure. Uh, setting up Tailscale is famously simple, requiring just a quick installation and authentication on each device. No complex configuration or port forwarding needed, even behind firewalls. Uh, This is important. Uh, It's an identity-based access. Users are identified by their tailscale username, eliminating the need for IP addresses or manually configuring firewall rules. Uh, Sharing access is as simple as inviting someone by their username. So that's right. You can invite other users to be part of your tailscale network. Uh, there's additional features, including uh, Tailscale offers a, a various useful features like uh, split tunneling, DNS servers via a thing they call Magic DNS, and access control policies, uh, making it a versatile, versatile tool for both personal and professional use. And speaking of that, bark bark, uh, you can <laughs> Tailscale is free for uh, up to three users on your own account, and I believe a hundred devices. So you don't even have to begin paying for the service until you've exceeded more than 100 devices. So just put that in perspective to how many things you have connected. Uh here's some key benefits to using Tailscale. Security. It's strong encryption protects your data and ensures privacy. Uh, speed and reliability. Direct connections avoid the bottlenecks of central servers leading to faster and more stable connections. Ease of use. It's simple to set up and management even for non-technical users. So, yeah, even Russ can do it, right? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> flexibility it works on various devices and operating systems and seamlessly integrates with existing networks i, I have it installed on my uh, on my google phone and you can install it on your ios devices uh, flexibility it works on various devices uh oh did i say that already yeah i did control granular access control and management features for administrators overall Tailscale is a user-friendly vpn solution that simplifies secure networking across all your devices its unique mesh architecture and intuitive design makes it a popular choice for individuals Businesses and remote teams. So I will I will give one example where I've used Tailscale and it worked brilliantly. Uh, we used it at Hamvention. <laughs> The last time for me to remote into my system at home, I uh, connected directly to the system via Tail, tail Scale and used, uh, used No Machine to connect to my machine. So that means I don't have to use things like uh, TeamViewer or something like that, or connect to my local network at home first and then remote desktop to the machine. I automatically can see all the machines that are in my Tailscale network, no matter where I am uh, or what network I'm connected to. So this simplifies you finding your machines uh including uh, like on a gui interface so let's say uh, the mac it puts it up in the top bar has like a little funky t icon and in windows it'll put it down the taskbar. you'll see a little icon there but uh, you'll see that you're connected uh, as soon as you do the install and if we talk i guess we should talk about the install first right uh, yeah
0: well actually before you start talking about the install let me talk about the licensing because it's kind of interesting Okay. The whole project, at least the, the core part of the project that actually does all the data transfer and the encryption and all of that kind of stuff, that is all open source. Fully open source, downloadable, buildable, whatever you want to do. And the management part of it for, for any operating system that is open source is also open source. But the management GUI for any operating system that is not open source, i.e. macOS or Windows, is not open source. I'm not sure why they made that dis- that distinction in particular. Um, but if you yourself are completely open source and your network is open source, then so is TailScale. So I thought that was really good. I, I like there. And they have a long sort of treatise about why they're open scale and, and what it brings to the project and all that. So if you want to read about that, just check out the project. But it's pretty cool. And uh, another thing to uh, to recommend it, being that it's all open source software.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So the devices that you can install the software on is, of course, Linux, macOS, Windows. You can also do uh, Windows WSL2, which is interesting. Uh, You can install it on a Chromebook. You can install it on an Apple TV, an iOS device, and an Android device. So these are all the devices that you can actually install it into. Uh, The installation is Pretty straightforward on Linux systems. They uh, give you a simple uh, curl line that just basically grabs the installer shell script, which you can download and look at first because, you know, you should. <laughs> I never trust scripts, right? Um, but it, it will take care of picking the right package for your environment, whether that be Ubuntu, Debian, CentOS, uh yeah, pretty much anything. Arch, NixOS, whatever your favorite distribution is, it will definitely install. I haven't, uh, I personally haven't run across one that it hasn't, including some older versions of Ubuntu on some servers and stuff like that. Um, so it's uh, it's it's super easy to install. Uh, picking how you're going to authenticate with it, of course, I would definitely have it. Uh, if you're going to use like GitHub, make sure your GitHub account is two factor authentication. Pretty much any. Any kind of um, you know SSO type situation that you're going to use for it, make sure that it is protected behind two-factor authentication minimally, <laughs> maybe even you know more than just that. Uh, because once you start installing this on all of your machines, imagine that ever, someone can get into your tailscale network and see all of your machines just like you can. Uh, and there is some additional features as you build out your tailscale network that that allow you to do some more interesting things, including being able to communicate with devices that do not have tail scale installed. Um, I use this feature as well. So, uh, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a neat thing. So, uh, uh, I guess we could talk a little bit about the management console, uh, which I'm going to bring up because
0: I rarely look at it. What
2: do they call it? Called? The tailscale. Yeah, let me just log into tailscale. How about that? Log in.
0: I'm installing tailscale on one of my Linux machines right now as we, as we talk about this because I'm, I'm very new to this tailscale thing. Um, I installed it on my, my studio Mac PC um well before just before we started to air here and now i'm installing it on one of my machines that's running nextcloud uh that was one of the use cases that was in the youtube video they put out uh so you can have private access to your nextcloud instead of exposing it to the public i actually want to expose my nextcloud to the public but um i i chose that machine just because and uh, i'm going to see if it's uh Let's actually join the my little domain here while you're bringing up the the GUI. The
2: GUI, yeah. So I'm on the uh, on the Tailscale admin console, and in here you're presented. It's a web page, so you can get to it uh, via web. Uh, you're presented with your machines that are connected, and they'll show their status, their version status, what operating system they are, and whether they're running the latest version or if they need a need an update. Which I see some of mine need updates. <laughs> um. Uh, for each machine, you'll see uh, how it's set up, whether it's uh, set up for expiring. Um, so when you join a computer to the network, uh, they get basically uh, a key. And that key will expire you know, between points in time and when it authenticates. So when you go back and authenticate with the machine. Now, if you're going to have a machine like a server that's always connected, you can disable the key expiry on those machines. And I recommend that because I have forgotten to do that on mine a couple of times and I couldn't get to certain machines and it was a little bit annoying. And I was like, oh, crap, I forgot about doing that because you kind of have to do it from the machine itself at that point. So you can do that uh, through that console in the machine. They give you a little drop down area where you can either share the machine. You can do things like edit the machine name, the IP address. You can share the machine. You can enable or disable the key expiry. You can actually view the recent activity for that machine. And as well, you can edit the routing settings and the ACL tags for that machine. So if you wanted to control what gets what access to what device and stuff like that, uh, that's where you'll be able to manage your ACLs for each machine. Now, a couple of things you can do, too, which I have set up here, and that is Doing subnet routing. And this is what I was talking about when you're trying to connect devices that can't install TailScale on. Whether that be like, I don't know, pick a device. Let's say a, a corporate laptop or something like that. So you have a corporate laptop, you can't install this kind of software on it, but you still want to be able to get to it. You can RDB to it when you're on your local network. But when you're away from wherever your machine is actually plugged in and connected, You you can't RDP to it because you can't connect to that local network. However, if you happen to have a tailscale device on that network, you can now route that subnet that that device sits on back through your tailscale. So then all of those IP addresses are now available to your network. This is where a little network management has to take place, especially if you have the same subnets underneath the various locations that you have plugged in. Because we know a lot of the uh, a lot of the home routers and stuff like that will all put you in like you know the 192.168.1 or .0 networks, uh, so you might want to be creative if you start getting into doing this type of functionality. But what it does is once you enable the subnets on the particular device, and then you allow consuming the those subnets in the network. You can then talk to every device that that device can see in the network, which is invaluable. <laughs> uh, you, can also, you can also use a, that, that device or whatever device as an exit node on the device, meaning you can connect to your tailscale network and use that device as your internet access device. So that means you can VPN all your traffic directly through that no matter what you're doing. So like, let's say for my instance where I have an exit node, I have one in my office and one here at the house. So in the, on my phone, when I'm out and about and traveling, I can select and go onto my tailscale network and then switch which, which exit node I want to use. In my office, strangely enough... It shows me in Washington State, the Washington State, because it's a crappy T-Mobile home connection or something like that. And at home, of course, it shows me in Montana and Charter, so or whatever whatever we have Spectrum, which I think is the same thing. So you can, uh, you can basically get your sort of VPN uh, from home, no matter where you are. Like I could be in Europe and my traffic is still showing me from my house. So that's kind of neat. And uh, you know you can do that with OpenVPN as well, uh, but this works quite uh, seamlessly, and you can flip around. Now they have recently added uh, the ability to pile on a uh, a VPN service, which is multi. Vlad, trying to remember now. They just added it, where you can actually have a a regular VPN service. Let's see, it was in, I'll just go to Tailscale's website and check it out. Blah 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 blah. Where is the VPN? Blah blah blah. Sorry. You can speak <laughs> well, I look
0: well this up. I speak, but I, I was busy uh connecting my networks together and altering d n s settings and stuff like that and checking and uh, <clears throat> doing some some connecting and pinging across the my computer here to the next cloud server and checking to see you know if I could do it like outside the tail scale or my my tail net and inside the tail net and it absolutely works flawlessly, so cool. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I can definitely see some use cases for this. I love the thing in the video where it was like, um the, you mentioned that they were supporting Apple TV, mm-hmm. and you just mentioned the exit node functionality, and they are like, you know, maybe uh, for Christmas, like, gift your friends an Apple TV and uh, set it up so that you can use their connection as your exit node and stuff like that. So <laughs> uh, I thought that was hilarious. Um yeah, because this is not like uh, NordVPN or some of the other VPN services like Surfshark and all that stuff where you can sort of – you can uh, pick an exit node like in a foreign country and stuff like that. This is – your tailnets have to have access to – or have been granted access uh, to an exit node, which means that it has to be somebody you know who's allowed you to use their node as an exit node or it's a node that you control. So um, so this – you can you can do it for like – being surreptitious in certain ways, like if you want to have a connection to your bank account, be from your local network instead of from your phone, you know, wherever you happen to be, you can certainly use tail scale for that. So uh, definitely has some neat uh, utility for sure. And I'm finding out a lot of this sort of like on the fly. So did you get to where you were trying to get to?
2: No, of course I couldn't find what I was looking for. It. <laughs> I just saw an ad, uh, a, a thing for it, and I'm I'm trying to find it on the website. And of course, I'm failing to do that. But anyway, they have like you know one of those like NordVPN kind of services, whatever that you can tack onto your Tailscale network that's available to your Tailscale network, and then you can set those VPN points so you can set up certain ones that you want to use or like to use as exit nodes within your within your network as well, and uh, you can force your machines on your tail scale network to also always use those if you always wanted them to use those uh so that's kind of neat and i think they have like a free tier two for that um but i think they're like paid tier for it was like oh, i don't know like six bucks a month or something like that something something silly yeah. um but uh, anyway uh that's that's one of the, the many things. Oh, multi malvlad that's malvad sorry m-u-l-l-v-a-d v-p-n that's what it is and it's five bucks a month how about that um so yeah you can uh you can set it up so every device on your network can uh, go out via these many different exit nodes uh, via TailScale uh, as well if you wanted to do that. So like if you're currently paying for some kind of VPN service, this is something that you could tie into your device, your devices, and uh, I believe uh, yeah per month for five devices. So up to five devices can use the VPN, uh, I'm assuming at the same time, so concurrently. Uh, so if you wanted to do that, by all means, you do not have to do that to get this thing to work in any functional way. Um, it is very, very usable within that context of being able to, A, route a subnet that your device can see wherever it's plugged into, and also use it as an exit node with the device if it happens to have, or within the network, if it happens to have internet access. So some of the other tabs that you can see on the on the admin console, you do have an apps um, an apps thing, which is a route traffic to third party SaaS, SaaS apps through your connection. Uh, something like that. Uh, I have no idea. I've never used it. <laughs> but uh, you can uh, do a direct app connection uh, via your tailscale network. I'm assuming that's if you wanted to add something very specific that everything can see and do it by name or whatever. Uh, There's services you can add. You can add users. So this is where you'll add additional users that have access to your tailscale network you have the access controls, which gives you uh, the ability to edit the access controls for your network, including uh, setting up your, you know, accept deny lists and stuff like that. So pretty straightforward access control lists. Uh, logs, you can see uh, logging of your traffic. Um, well, not traffic, but logging of like access to your network. So I can see that I just logged into the admin console here just a few minutes ago. Uh, DNS names, you can actually give it a unique DNS name uh, for your network. If you want to do that, they have uh, uh, a network.ts.net uh, that you can get to it via that. Uh, they also have uh, name servers, they have magic DNS. Uh, Magic DNS is kind of cool because you can actually connect to all your machines via name instead of by IP. Um, something I haven't used yet, but uh, it's so easy to connect to machines on the network because uh, you can see their IP address uh, via the admin console or if you're using a uh, a device, let's say like your phone or whatever, they have the list of all the devices. So you just basically click the device and you can copy it, whatever. Uh, There's, uh, let's see, settings. Uh, Settings just get you into how you manage stuff, including uh, some of the cool little features. Uh, Like there's a send files feature. Think of this like airdrop for your network. Uh, so you can actually send files to all your connected devices pretty much at will, and that is really easy and simple. I use this uh, while we were at uh, while we were at the National Jamboree. Uh, just copying logs between the computers because all those computers were on my jail scale network. So I could uh, basically just push the logs back and forth pretty easy without having to, uh, um, you know, SFTP or, you know, FileZilla or something like that to the machine. I could send them all to one machine and then just uh, uh, import all the logs into one machine and re-merge them together because we know N1MM does such a bang-up job in managing the log uh, log merging on its own. There's a bunch of other features that they have at various states, including, uh, um, and they tell you what state they're in. So they have like a service collection uh, setting. Uh, it's an alpha. It's an alpha status. So these are feature preview things. They have a tail scale H- SSH. Uh, this allows you to SSH into servers by just using your tail scale and your Tailnet policy for authorization and authentication. So uh, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> Uh, Funnel, which allows users on your network to route traffic from the wider internet to their tailscale nodes. And then Tailnet lock, which verifies node keys distributed by the coordination server before trusting them. Uh, and then, of course, you can just delete your Tailnet if you really want to. Uh, user management just basically shows you how you have your identity management set up, who your identity provider is, and whatnot, and whether you need to uh, have uh, require new users to be approved by you before they can access your network. I'm assuming if you allow people to just randomly connect to your Tailscale network, uh, not 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 for me though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Let's see, device management, how devices are approved, uh, key expiry. You can actually change the number of days that the the keys are available working. Uh, Right now, I think the default is 180 days before they'll expire if you have not already disabled uh, key expiry. They also have uh, device posture integrations, uh, which enables integrations for third-party device attributes, Um, stuff like uh, using CrowdStrike Falcon and stuff like that. OAuth clients, should you actually use those, Uh, has that ability to set those up so you can generate an OAuth client for your network uh, for people to access it. Uh, Webhooks, Uh, contact preferences. Of course, that's just for you. Uh, Billing, if you happen to be on a plan that uh, uh, is over 100 devices or is a paid plan, Uh, and in fact, it'll keep track of how many devices you have connected if you can't count that high. Uh, So mine says I have 19 devices, and a lot of them are uh, the K2BSA devices that have already expired because they haven't been on since August. (laughs) So (laughs) actually, they're not expired, are they? No. Yeah, they, they expired. Oh, no, they expired in December. So all those are, are disconnected. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's a really informational and uh, quite flexible admin console that they have built here on your network. Uh, again, the uh, each device has the ability to uh, have some extra settings and stuff like that, depending upon your device, including, uh, you know, if you go in, like I'm looking at a Windows machine right now and looking at the little adapter, it has preferences and this is where it has, you know, do you want to allow Incoming connections, use Tailscale DNS settings, use Tailscale subnets, and then uh, whether you want it to be automatically installing updates, uh, which I highly suggest because it does update quite often. So get your updates and stay stay secure, because you don't want to have some kind of zero-day exploit available inside of your network. Uh, that would be bad. So best to keep those automatically updating. And let's see, I think that's it for for the kind of the glossy 10,000-foot view of everything. How'd that uh, second install go?
0: Oh, it went perfectly. Just used the curl, got the binary installed, did the tail scale up on the machine and asked me to visit a url to authenticate against github added the machine and it's ready to go sweet so yeah i mean super easy the one thing i did find in my looking around was this thing called head scale Mm -hmm. did you did you have you looked at head scale at all no i'm trying to figure out if it's a replacement for the tail scale like the login tail scale thing to do your management is uh but it's self-hosted that's what i'm trying to figure i'm trying to read the the description and find out if that's what it actually is because it says it's a replacement for the tail scale control server self-hosted implementation
2: oh interesting yeah i haven't uh haven't even looked at this yeah
0: i have a link to it in the show notes so it'll be available for people to peruse but i'm i'm trying to figure out if in reading this that's what it actually is if you want to manage your devices and do all the stuff with the magic dns and all that um, not using the hosted version, if that's what HeadScale actually is. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's definitely something to uh, to take and take a look at in some uh, deeper detail. But uh, Apparently, there's a link to a FOSDEM, a video that was done in last year's FOSDEM about HeadScale. So that okay. would probably be very informative. I just hadn't had a chance to look at it. And it was presented by the person who actually wrote it. Oh, so. well, cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, i'm learning more i love these deep yeah. because i always learn something too
0: <laughs> yeah i do too i mean i mean i knew nothing about tailscale except for the fact that you were razzing me about it <laughs> uh, and you and you did earlier too because i remember i was having this issue with my wanting to be able to connect machines via vpn because i wanted to i was trying oh, yeah. to mounts <laughs> Across a network without without, you know, and I went through the trouble of like setting up, you know, Kerberos and a bunch of other crap and none of that really worked. And and this would have just done it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, resistance and, and bullheadedness, you know, you know how it is. So,
2: yeah. So the nice part, too, about the uh, the IP addresses that they get. So you're basically on, again, your virtual private network. So you have your own IP addresses in the system. So when I use this in the context of, you know, ham radio for, for the jamboree, uh, I had already set up all the laptops here at the house, uh, to connect to each other with the uh, N1MM. And instead of letting it use the LAN addresses, uh, for everything, because I knew, like, you know, things would probably change if it's not on my Wi-Fi and it's on the Wi-Fi we have there, or if they happen to flip over and use the AT&T Wi-Fi that was there. Uh, I set everything up to use their tailscale IP addresses so that when they joined the log group, um, they could already see each other because it didn't matter where they were. You know, they, I could have left one here at the house and it would have still been connected with all the other computers uh, for logging purposes. So it simplified a lot of stuff downstream because I was able to kind of pre-configure stuff, not knowing exactly how I was going to connect all these devices back together again, uh, once again. And and I was... Just thinking like, you know, this would be perfect for like a, like a field day where everybody's kind of like separated far enough away where, you know, maybe not having the, a Wi-Fi hotspot for everybody would work out well. But let's say you can, you know, technically hotspot your phone mm-hmm. locally or whatever, and then you can uh, connect up everybody back together again via virtual networking. And you don't have to really worry about how they get connected as long as they are connected and they're all on the same uh, tailscale network. So uh it does simplify things like that where you you want them to be able to talk and you know they're going to have internet access, but you don't necessarily know the conditions of, of how that they're going to be connected once <laughs> you get there so uh yeah, the, a couple of things like that that just kind of it eliminates the need to overthink too much about the end result, because you know that once they're online, regardless of where they're at, even if they're on, you know, let's say you go to some some business or whatever on your phone and you connect up, you know, to their Wi-Fi and maybe they have sort of blocking stuff and everything else, this thing will traverse pretty much every corporate network. VPN that I've seen. So which is nice. <laughs> because <laughs> You can see everything that you need to see uh, when you're trying to get something done. And let's say you needed something off your server at home for a project you're working on. Um, You know, I can just, boom, get on my phone, blah, blah, pull that file up off the file server, bring it over and uh, then use it quite rapidly. So it does simplify a lot of those kind of interesting needs. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, I, I constantly finding like little uses for it that simplify, you know, issues that I've run into, uh, with supporting various systems and remote places and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I've tail scale on my, my parents' laptop. So it's like, I don't have to worry about their IP address or whatever. I just, you know, connect to it whenever I need to connect to it and, uh, you know, to support and stuff like that. So he can be wherever and I can still fix his machine. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nice. it's very, very, very nice, especially when you're supporting a family of uh, computers and stuff like that that aren't necessarily all in the same location.
0: Yeah, this would be kind of nice too if you were you know've I've been in a situation where I've had people contact me about helping them with stuff like that, not necessarily someone i'm familiar with but i someone i was willing to to help in a you know just sort of good samaritan capacity and if they could connect into the tail scale so i could see their machine and help them remotely you know that would be particularly useful and of course the connections because of this sort of centralized network hub where everything is connected through it becomes network configuration agnostic so it doesn't really matter if you're you Know on the internet through a VPN, through a Wi Fi router on a public Wi Fi access net, doesn't really matter. Everything still connects to everything with uh, essentially no configuration. So, yeah, very, very handy. Yeah,
2: and I know people get into really like detailed networks and stuff like that, which this allows you to do all kinds of stuff. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I could, I could see this used for, you know, a multitude of things where, you know, we have. Let's say network blocks that you have assigned for whatever let's say private network or let's say even like say the amateur radio network, so let's say the forty four net stuff, like in theory, you could build the forty four net behind its own tail scale network, prevent any exit nodes from exiting, and uh keep it completely contained, and you wouldn't have to worry about routing or anything else like that, so you could actually eliminate the need to do certain things. <laughs> <laughs> in your private yeah, network
0: on, uh, i mean obviously i don't know the answer to this but depending on how robust the split tunneling is you could you could be really granular in what you allow access into the tailnet with so you could pro- presumably you could block you bring it down to like um, ports or apps or or whatever that that only allowed <clears throat> that kind of access through the tailnet and everything else shunted back through the internet so you couldn't you know accidentally be hacked you know through some backdoor while you're trying to be helpful in some other way.
2: Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Yeah, and the, the ACL language is, is quite quite powerful. And as uh, let's say, Steve's asking a question, if uh, so the WireGuard implementation runs in user space uh, while OpenVPN runs at the kernel level. I uh, would be curious to see if there's uh, performance benchmarks and how it would scale at a corporate level. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm using as a user, so I wouldn't be able to have those statistics, but they do have enterprise um uh, enterprise pricing. So I'm assuming that they do have this at scale at, at, in some places. So uh yeah, because you know, enterprise, it's for companies who need advanced integrations. Uh so uh yeah. I I'm assuming they're they're uh, it, it can probably handle it. <laughs> just just an assumption. Uh but uh yeah, yeah, it would be I it'd be probably a slight performance at being at the user space. But for my purposes, I've never, never had to worry too much about it. I mean, in fact, most people thought the the <laughs> machine that we were running there at the Hamvention was the machine at home because you know the traces on all the graphical stuff looked pretty much live, and there, including running an SDR remote, uh, the the SDR looked like real time. So it, it it's it's good. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and that was through the Wi Fi. Not, yeah. not a dedicated drop. So
2: yeah, the crappy yeah. Wi Fi at the Hamvention place. <laughs> Back to my house.
0: Yeah, no, it it looked really good. That was that was excellent. Nice nice way to display that, and of course, I'm sure we'll be doing that again this year. So
2: yeah, 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 for sure.
0: So that'll work yep, out. I should be able to do that for mine too. Yeah, you'll
2: have something prettier to show, probably than you know, mine's always kind of crummy. <laughs> Well I don't know how to
0: scope mine because I mean in order for, in order to get a an actual remote GUI into it, you're supposed to be buying that uh SU LAN ten device from Yezu to get the the pan adapter and all that stuff and through oh, a, okay, a yeah. and it's like stupidly expensive. Yes um so i'm gonna have to try and figure out something else but well you might not be able to have the pretty pretty right (laughs) yeah i may not have the the really cool display but we'll we'll definitely have something for sure yeah
2: well that's awesome um yeah i'm just kind of waiting to see if anybody has any more questions about it uh in the live chat we did have a couple other people join hope hope you'll those people in there i did sweet okay cool um yeah, I just I find it as a one of the tools in my toolbox now that I just I don't know if I could live without now. <laughs> I've just I've gotten so used to using it, and I no longer even really concern myself with uh, like like the server. I don't even really know what IP it has on the network here anymore because I I don't really use the the local network address to connect to it. So um, and I I don't notice any performance issues because you know even though it's on a different IP address what have you. The routing knows that it's in fact local to where I'm at. So it doesn't have to leave the network to get there because it's a point to point connection. So the peer knows that it's on the same, you know, basically wired connection uh, to each other so they can see each other without a problem. So I just use the IP addresses for them in the tail scale, even though they're, you know, my laptops here or my desktop is only like uh, about five foot from the server.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really cool though, and it does. I like the fact that you can you can create an outbound connection into your tail net, your tailnet and then route it back out through an exit node, even if they're on the same network, just to change your exit position, uh, depending on whether you need that for uh, having access to like a predefined. Um, like sometimes, sometimes a website will identify you by like where you come from. Uh, so if you wanted to access that same resource from a different place, you could have it go through the tail net and exit in the same place. Therefore, it would be, uh, you know, the, the thing that's trying to authenticate you wouldn't know any difference. So you have multiple devices uh, exiting and, and looking like the same device uh, for authentication purposes, not necessarily for subterfuge purse, uh, purposes, but just to be uh, to simplify processes. I guess is what I'm saying. So yeah, yeah,
2: definitely, definitely. Yeah, you could always have all the devices traverse out the same exit point. So let's say if you had some other service downstream that was not Tailscale aware, but knew that your connections from this IP address were allowed, uh, you could route all of your all of your necessary traffic internally on your VPN network through that exit point uh, so that it uh, would, you know, pass that ACL test on the uh, external service.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And especially if you were doing something remote, like if you just happen to have to be able to access it via your phone or something, that'd be really handy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so like for those corporate laptop deals, you know, I have my, my laptops for work are actually all plugged in at my office downtown so when uh, I'm not downtown, I just uh, I'm just remoting in with Tailscale <laughs> connected uh, to the subnet, and uh, yeah, I can connect to my laptops here, do some work here, go to the coffee shop, do some work on those laptops there, and then you know go downtown, and there I have my multiple screens downtown. Um, yeah, it's 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 just it simplifies simplifies everything for me. So it's it's definitely solved many it's many little things. So I don't have to, you know, if I travel, I only have to bring one laptop with me because I can always connect to my other laptops. Even if I'm on a plane flying across the sky, I can just connect to my laptop back at, uh, back at my office and do whatever I need to do. You know, of course, if it's going to be a slow connection or what have you, it, you know, it'll suffer a little bit, but like, you know, you just deal with that particular uh, delay aspect of things.
0: Right and and uh, Steve even though bill is using no machine there's no reason you couldn't do something like vnc you would just connect to it through the tailnet ip address and it would work just the same so
2: yeah it's if you can get vnc working <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah i've gone to no machine on almost everything just cuz it's just so much simpler and i think we we had a discussion about that of the things we hate about linux right and i think one of the things was remote desktop
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> Yeah. Well, the biggest, so maybe, the biggest problem I ever had with any of the remote access stuff was just trying to connect to my router, which doesn't deal well with any kind of remote access that steals the audio capability of the connecting machine. So, uh, or the uh, server machine, which is most of them. So, um, but apparently, no machine and uh, TeamViewer are two that you can you can you know do that with and not not have the audio rerouted. Right. And I think
2: Rustdesk also does that too. So there's that as well. i I just never used Rustdesk personally. Yeah,
0: I haven't either. I, I know of it. I know we talked about it, but haven't used it.
2: Oh yeah. Having uh, no other questions. Is there anything else you can think of that we didn't talk about with it or that you have questions?
0: No, I don't have any further questions. I know it's going to take a little bit of time to, you know, to get the implementation up and running and explore some of the features like the magic DNS and the, and changing the default domain and, and things like that. Cause those are things I would probably want to do and checking out the capabilities of the split tunneling. But uh, I think for the most part, I think we've got all of the highlights for sure.
2: Yeah, I think like a use case too that I hear a lot of people talking about is like if you getting into like the self hosting kind kind of thing, which, you know, obviously you do Rust, you self host a lot of stuff at home there and, and you want to be able to, let's say, have I don't, I think next, next cloud does it or whatever, you know, you can actually sync your phone to next cloud. So like, you know, kind of use it as your photo store and everything else device, you know, document store and everything. And you wanted to have it synced to your phone. You could do that seamlessly over tail scale, like, uh, like, you know, the, the internal apps do on the phone, like Google photos and, uh, Apple photo app, whatever it's called, Apple photos. It's just called photos. Um, yeah. So where they sync and stuff like that, you can actually set the same thing up, uh, using your, your own self-hosted stuff, um, through the tail scale connections. And you'd have basically, yeah, your, your own self-hosted, including wherever you are with your phone type deal. Um, being able to sync your, your phone phone pictures and, and any other important things that you want to sync back and forth. Um, so, yeah, doing device backup remotely is easy for uh, those kind of devices. So uh, another kind of use case item for it. Uh, I haven't gone that far yet, but I have been thinking about it.
0: Yeah, very good. I can think of a few others that I'm not going to talk about publicly. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not because it's anything illicit or anything like that. It's just like um, I have my my current ISP here is like very paranoid about any kind of traffic that looks even remotely suspicious, regardless of that. And if I could have the... Exit node be at my ISP where I work, where obviously I wouldn't care about such things, <laughs> it would be uh, uh, pretty handy. So,
2: yeah, I mean, you could even use this. Uh, you can spin up a droplet on uh, DigitalOcean and and drop TailScale on your droplet and use your uh, droplet as an exit point too. So, I mean, there's just things like that that you can do pretty simple and you don't have to think about it. You know, if you didn't want to use a, uh, you know, a that or whatever VPN add on service, you know, you can get your little $5 droplet. And uh tail scale it, and you know use that as your exit node <laughs> if you want to have traffic in other places, or do you know do with a aWS uh you know uh, same thing you know uh, there's there's just a multitude of ways you can use this
0: yeah, absolutely any kind of VPS in the cloud you know uh could be instantiated as a a node a tail a tailnet node and exit point so yep all right well i think I think that kind of covers it. So um, unless we have any last minute questions, I see, I see some typing, so I'll, I'll uh, try and pause uh, briefly. Oh, no, nope. he's just a cool stuff. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, very cool. Very cool
0: stuff. Yeah. Yes, very cool stuff. All right. So that, that brings us down to the end of our topic for tonight, but we do have a couple of uh, quick announcements. Uh, the first one is that I'm planning on getting the Hamvention crowdfunding campaign uh, started on February 1st, and I, I'm presuming I'm still going to be able to use GoFundMe. I I know um, once upon a time I had to use something else because uh, the way GoFundMe work changed, and like I could never use... Um, what, what's the big one? What's the one that started it all? What the hell was the name of it? It was the, the big one. Kickstarter? Kickstarter, yeah. Thank you. Oh, you can never okay. use, yeah, we can never use Kickstarter as a crowdfunding source. So we had to use other stuff. That'll be starting soon. Um, I think the, the cap will be $500 this time. That should definitely be all we need. And as I said before, if this one goes well and we're able to get through and, and get the booth set up and everything and, uh, and whatnot for, for this one then there will never be another one uh, because our regular donations will be enough to cover everything going forward. And then just a, just a quick shout out. um, And the only reason I'm doing this is because when I made the contact, on Saturday during uh, Winter Field Day, he asked me if I was the K5TUX of Linux in the Hamshack, and I said yes, and he said, I love the podcast. So, working Winterfield Day, I worked a station, Victor Echo 3 Romeo Golf Oscar, his name is Stuart, uh, and he's somewhere up in, I think, somewhere around Ontario, Canada. And, uh, yeah, he was he was running w- Winter Field Day and POTA, so I got both of those contacts, uh, and a shout-out for Linux in the Hamshack during the contact. so... Wanted to make sure you got a mention here. Thanks Stuart for for the contact and uh and the park and thanks to Howard AC4FS for hooking me on onto poda and like give me one more thing I don't have time to do to do. So
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. Hey, even so,
2: I I signed up for the poda thingy so.
0: Yeah, I've been working I've been trying to work poda every day. So I haven't. I'm, but <laughs> I'm doing it on too, I'm doing it on phone just so I just so I can do something on phone instead of FT8. Uh, yeah,
2: my last, my first, well, my first two contacts before I decided to sign up were on phone, but then it pulled in a bunch of ones I made previously, <laughs> which is the previous yeah. one before the one I made on the, let's see, the 24th of this month was uh, October 16th, 2022. <laughs> <laughs>
0: When I signed up, there were a bunch in there from that I didn't realize I had as well, so um, yeah. kind of nice to see them, but anyway. All right, so moving on to our new subscribers, supporters, and live participants. Uh, for subscribers, we have Joel KC0YEW, who was already a supporter, but he switched from uh, PayPal over to Patreon, so thanks for doing that. Appreciate it. Got you hooked up on the, uh, on the Discord as a uh, Patreon, so Thanks. On Facebook, we had Richard Ainsworth, Jaime Anjos, and Jeffrey Eide. And um, there, were, there were only three. It didn't say there were like seven others this time. So I think I got everyone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. On Twitter, we got followed by a- at MG Dell, who is Mike Dell, K8LMJ. And the only reason I stopped to, to mention this at all is because Mike Dell is the reason why I do podcasting. Way back in the day, way before Linux in the Shack, way before Richard, in I think late 2006, I was looking to do some podcasting. And Mike Dell had a podcast back then called uh, Strange Today, which was just a, a reading of some strange facts from every given day in history. And that is where I started podcasting on Strange Today for Mike Dell back in 2006-ish, or yeah, I think it was late 2006. So that's very cool that he signed up. He also, he's been podcasting for a long time, and he, he did something called, I think, a Ham Radio College, something like that, where he helped uh, people study for the exams, a podcast covering like the uh, question pools and stuff like that. So I don't know if he's still doing that, but uh, that's who he is. So shout out to Mike. Thanks for, for uh, following us over there on Twitter, and uh, maybe we'll hear from you again sometime. And then we also had Sicolia80647 on Twitter. Uh, YouTube, we have Kurt Lewis. On Discord, we had 9M2PJU, HD, and Zub. On Instagram, we had 7X2JV underscore Nori. Somebody can look up where 7X is from, because I'm kind of curious where where 7X is. Uh, On Mastodon, we had at Linux. We're being followed by Linux. I don't Uh think it's Linux, but... huh? I said, said, (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh.
2: we're being stalked by Linux
0: by linux yes and also w5dwa no merch sales no mailing list and on the live chat in the uh, in the chat tonight we had jill k1ttz tony k4xss steve kj5t ted w0eir mike k6gte and briefly SEMA executor was in there so and seven x-ray two is in uh algeria algeria excellent yeah, I think we're getting some worldwide traction. Love it. Because uh, 9M2, nine, nine I think, is uh, Malaysia or something like that. So Yeah,
2: I think so. 9M2 something, something, something. Yeah, Kuala Lumpur, West
0: Malaysia. Okay, Kuala Lumpur. Excellent. All right, so thanks, everybody, for tuning into this episode. We hope you enjoyed our little uh, shallowish deep dive on tail scale, uh, it's something that I definitely plan on using going forward, and we hope you find some utility in it as well. And if not, at least enjoyed the information. We appreciate it. Please look out for the crowdfunding campaign, and we really hope to see you all at Hamvention coming up in May again this year. Uh, we're definitely looking forward to it. In the meantime, have a great week, and we hope you'll tune in for the next one. But in the meantime, we'll let you get on with your lives. This has been episode number 531 of Linux in the Hamshack. And for the on-assignment, Cheryl W5MOO, I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke Podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at or leave us a voicemail at one 909 lhs show that's 1-909-547-7469 visit the online lhs merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise until next time remember to always heed your hedonism